Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Green Path podcast. Some of you may be familiar with the bell jar curve and its meaning. In the startup world, for example, this represents the early adopters the uh, who are few in numbers, and then the majority catch up, and then there are a few who are late to the game. In the world of sustainability, however, I think that instead of the bell jar curve, it's more of a flat, possibly slightly wavy line with the occasional very high peaks. We know some of those peaks in the industry, Bob Garner from Environmental, Vanessa D'Souza-Large from Sustonica, Mark Rabai from Kalia, and today we meet another peak. In fact, she's known as the Green Queen at work. Today, I'm chatting with Rachel Parsons from New Forest Escapes. Hello, Rachel. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, and it's extremely nice to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Rachel, and thank you very much for your time. I do know you're a very busy woman. So, Rachel, I know you've got a huge story, but let's start from the beginning, the very best place to start. (laughs) How did your journey get started? I was thinking about this in the car on the way here, and I was thinking, what is the most profound experience that I've had that got me going? And apart from making tea on the family farm for people as a host, you know, with my mum when I was a kid at four years old, um, I think in my 20s, I traveled quite considerably. And I lived in Australia for five years on a farm and we had drought, we had wildfires, we had starving animals, we had floods we had it was biblical at times and it's a very marginal place to live so you're always on the edge here in the UK here in a lot of the western world we're very buffered from these climatic extremes in Australia when you're farming and your profit margin somewhere between 1.5 and 2 percent when you have rain at a time of year that you're not expecting you can make your profit for the year or if you don't get it you're absolutely up the proverbial creek and then when you've got your animals out and you've done everything you can to survive and it's all going really really well and you're kind of gritting your teeth and keeping on going and then there is some kind of fire that comes through it's a very humbling profound guttural experience of survival that I think a lot of people who live in these communities where we have financially buffered where we import most of our food where our electricity is not associated to what the sun what the sun is doing um that we might just be able to put our electricity bill on our credit card and just you know just wait whereas if you run out of water in your dam at your house you've got no water you are really you're suddenly stuck you don't have a shower I remember not having a shower I remember being physically very compromised at times and at the same time I was running a um helping my partner run a tourism company we used to take people up on horses into the mountains and so we were actually going out of our comfort zone further out into the comfort zone into the mountains and you know going on that journey with people and seeing their physical experience of this uh very deep and challenging but primevally beautiful landscape and seeing how the connection to that landscape gave them this Uh, raw energy to want to keep going apart from the fact that they were on a horse for five days and if they didn't they'd be stuck up there that's kind of irrelevant (laughs) um but um so that was a real privilege to have that very um hand-to-mouth life very shortly after that I worked in Australia New Zealand and South Africa as a travel writer and I spent a year seeing three places a day and staying at one overnight or something like that And in every single place I just went to, I thought, oh, my God, 
that little idea is amazing. Wow, that's really, really cool. And I developed this kind of library of amazing ideas. When I came back to the UK, I then got a job working in sustainability. And I ended up working randomly for Prince Charles, working on a rainforest education project for schools um, with a brilliant partner and as part of a much bigger media campaign, which which was pre-COP 2010, so back in about 2007. And the, my my eyes were opened in terms of sustainability, my my levels of connections, because I was able to say, you know, hi, I'm Rachel, I'm calling from Prince Charles's office, please can I have a, you know, um, 400 uh, fake gems, please, because we want to do whatever it is. And we're providing this artistic thing. You know, are the gems as much environmentally friendly as you can be? Great. We want to put them on the fourth pinth of Trafalgar, you know, in Trafalgar. It was really random. Everybody said yes. And I learned so much about what to do and what not to do in Mm -hmm. in those campaigns. And I worked on a load of social justice projects as well for um, uh, the History Channel with a whole load of celebrities. And the culmination of that was I got pregnant and I thought, okay, I don't want to do any of this. Don't want to live in London. Moved back to Hampshire. And I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to use that library of information that I had in my head for all these amazing ideas. And I'm going to start a property. So I started um, my current uh, company, New Forest Escapes, with one house. We now have 55. We're B Corp certified and we employed nine people. Yes, amazing. But and that's for many reasons it's been a good business uh, but it's you know it's tough i'm not going to go into the kind of the business side of it i'm going to go into the sustainability side of it because that's what we're here for mm. so the in the very interesting thing was is that when you start a business you kind of get that initial feedback of is this actually going to work and i started that first house as out and out completely committed eco house it, and this was 13 years ago now so 14 13 years ago no one else was doing that. I mean, mm. sorry, the light's very bad. That no one else was doing that. And so we were charging for utilities. We were having loads of very visual uh, prompts and nudges for people to behave in a sustainable way. We planted the garden so that the kids could pick it. Highly interactive with the guests to help them understand what was going on in the property. Not necessarily because we met them, but because I took time to explain it to them that we left material in the house that was joyfully explaining what was going on. Hi, are your kids bored? Little message on the kitchen table. Hi, if your kids are bored, tell them that we've left magic um, magic patates growing in the garden. Change the name. And they're like, oh, what's that? What's a patati? They've spelt it wrong. No, 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 no. Let's go and find out. And they go out there and they be potatoes. Mm. And the joy, the love, the kind of the engagement that you would get from that and from many other things was very interesting because it immediately allowed me as the host and them as a guest to align our values, which meant they cared about my wishes and I cared because I'd proven that I cared about theirs in a very hands-on way. And Can I stop you for one second? Did the guests coming to you at that time, were they specifically looking to stay at a sustainable property or they just wanted to go to the country and they didn't, they weren't really aware of it? Absolutely not at all. They were they have no interest in eco. Well, some of them perhaps had a little bit of eco awareness, but it wasn't the eco that I was selling this property on. I was selling it on joy. And so we structured the whole stay to be very family friendly. So I knew my niche. 
I provided masses of toys. All the photos of the toys were in the in the pictures on the of the property listing, um, including uh, pictures of the garden, pictures of the um, full. I think there was like forty piece fancy dress outfit for children. Like it was oh. crazy. We had everything from stormtroopers to postman Pat and every kind oh. of imagine. fantastic. I want to go now. <laughs> I know. I still wish I had it. I wish I fitted yeah. into it. So what it meant was it meant, and we had prams and we had, um, we had car seats for people who were traveling from overseas. We had um, like extra little beds tucked away in funny places. We allowed people to move the beds around the house. That was a really big thing for kids. They all wanted to sleep in one room one night and then they wanted to go to granny's room the other night. Most places will be horrified if you did that. Even in my current stock of owners, they don't like it. Mm. All of these little things meant that we were in a niche and that was the piece that sold. It was very theatrically produced as well. The house was very fantastical. Lots of ceiling to wall, um, like landscape uh, wallpaper. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like a huge beach forest, for example. And then the rest of the room would be themed slightly around those colors. Mm -hmm. It's not the kind of place that you'd want to live at home. But if you went to one of the Firmdale hotels, Kit Kemp's hotels, they were much more styled like that. They were kind of more than, it was real fantastical kind of living. And then this very family friendly centric part of it. But underneath everything was, they were accountable for the electricity that they used. I could prove what they'd used and was very happy to talk to them about it. Um, We had obvious at that time, it's now much better, house, production around sustainability so water butts um radiator panels that reflect the heat back into the room um information on the radiator oh little radiator fans i had that you plug in that were amazing they were really good a fan on top of the wood burner properly encouraging people to use the wood burner what else did we have an eco kettle with a little jug next to it saying i'm one cup you know that just little things nothing Mm. expensive Mm. and it was really interesting that the majority of people used pretty sensible amount of electricity. And then occasionally one or two people used an insane amount of electricity way beyond you'd expect. And I would look at their breakages deposit and go, Oh my God, they're going to, they've used half. Like Mm -hmm. some people would use 10 pounds over a weekend. And then the next weekend, same weather, 120 pounds. Oh, what are you doing? And I phoned these people up and I go, look, uh, this is an eco house and I feel a little bit uncomfortable about this um, because I want you to have had a lovely stay and I think you have, blah, 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 blah. Yes, yes, it was very nice, blah, blah. Um, but I have noticed that you did use rather a lot of electricity and their response always was shock, surprise and gratefulness that mm-hmm. you had educated them in such a way that they would save that money for the rest of their lives. Mm. And that's how I tried to approach it every time. And it's that values alignment piece that I think we're missing so often in our modern tourism where you get, and I call it very loosely, the death valley of self-check-in. And uh, and these tech platforms enable a total lack of communication. So unless you as a host take over with micro-messaging, like WhatsApp videos, how to use the wood burner, 
here's a WhatsApp video, this is why we've done this in the house, or I know, here's a WhatsApp video, you can't see what's going on in sustainability in this house because it's all in the insulation and blah, 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 blah. And therefore, this is what's going on. This is how we'd love you to behave because this is really important to us. And I know that you're a na- you like nature conservation and pick some values that everybody loves, insert them here, and then ask them to behave in a certain way. But we just don't have that in our normal check-in processes, nothing. And so then we're surprised that people just use all the electricity because we don't charge them for it. And these are the things in the industry that I think we really need to start addressing because they are as a result of us wanting to move away from this old style of very kind of mom and pop tourism. But actually, we need to go back there a bit. Mm. We need to go back there in a new way so that we're communicating to people in a friendly, supportive style using our modern technology. Or ideally, ideally, and the best one of all is, oh, hi, Deborah. It's so lovely to see you. I'm so glad you've had a nice, easy journey. Walk up to you, put your hand, physically put your hand on their arm and go, it's really nice to see you. Glad you got here. Come on, kids. I'll show you what's in the garden. And then you got them. Yeah. Which is why why it's easier for a hotel. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's the journey. That's the start of the journey. What else do you want to know? <laughs> now, I was going to say that's called connection and that's going to keep bringing guests back too. That's my belief yeah. that yeah. face-to-face check-in is a connection. They put a face to the brand and you will always connect with a face rather than a logo. And I was going to say also, you know, I love the fact that you had sustainability hiding underneath the niche of joy. So well, there are so many niches, whether it's a niche of luxury, whether it's a niche of, you know, Disneyland or whatever, whatever, to have that level of sustainability just below the surface there and to be able to explain to the guests. And the thing about electricity is, uh, I think I've mentioned it once before, no one understands the, their electricity usage. You get the bill of like, oh, God damn, that was high this month or this quarter or other times it's like, okay, yeah. It's expensive, but that's what it is to to make people aware of their usage. You know, I, I, I know I've been visit, visiting guests sometimes during a stay and every light in the house is on. Like, why? And I had to pay the bill. You know, it's like, why? I want to run around and turn the lights off. There's no need for this. And so maybe I won't say everyone should charge electricity to their guests, but it's a very interesting exercise to bring to their attention this is how much electricity you use this weekend or this week. Yeah. So Uber have a have a model called Fair Share, which because I don't catch Uber, I only know about in theory. And everyone listening to this will go, oh, she's got it wrong. It's this. But the principle, as I understand, is, is that Fair Share is about you pay for what you use. And so there might be multiple people in the cab. Okay. And so therefore you're paying a smaller amount of money for example, pretty much the same journey might be a slight detour but Mm. it's a fair share concept i think we should be charging every single guest are the energy that they use because it's the only way people are going to be accountable Mm. Um, it my business partner isn't in the room so i can say this she won't necessarily agree by the way this is not a business line this is a personal line um and the reason i say that is because People need to be held responsible for what they use and it is not fair for the business to be paying out when there is no accountability and no responsibility from their part. There's nothing they can do. What they can do, however, is quite significant. They can have the house set up so it is fit for purpose. And if the house is not fit for purpose at the moment, it's questionable whether you should really be doing it because 
like fire regs, which are actually a compliance, sustainability is not. But if you are renting out a house with single glazing windows, ouch, no insulation, seriously, poor mm. heating. Oh, you know, these are things that need to be sorted out. And yes, some of them are expensive. And so maybe take a time to actually really assess what you're doing with your property, because you asked me about what, what might be happening in the future. I think in a very short period of time, the compliance for medium sized businesses. So let's say a property with 10 bedrooms or more. And I don't know what that number of bedrooms is. They are going to be forced to comply with much, much, much tighter carbon management. Mm. You know, carbon is king. It's the thing that's causing the climate change. Everything else, frankly, is environmental. Yeah, it's a different, it's a different situation. Mm. Um, hang on. Um, so when we treat carbon as king in our properties and with our guests, we are enabling everybody to have a more resilient and safer future. That's without a doubt. We're also enabling a, a better business profit because at the moment, those electricity bills, those utility bills are really bad and that is not going to change. Mm. So, Building resilience into your business around transparency of energy use, I think, is very, very important. And I believe, and your listeners will have much more information about this than I do, even though I've tried to find it online. I believe that there are some countries where energy is charged as standard. I think that's Ireland. I think it's some of the Scandinavian countries, and I think it's part of Spain. I also think in Thailand, it's sort of fairly normal because the aircon is so the aircon cost is so high. Mm. So it's just a flat rate. Uh, sorry, a flat charge. Uh, no, I think in some places it's not. I do know in the UK that it's illegal to retail electricity through a stay so that you would actually have to meter it quite accurately. Um, there is a project that we're involved in with Christopher Warren, who I think you've interviewed. Yes. He's yeah. amazing. He's a real leading light. He's he's an amazing guy to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called My Green Butler. And My Green Butler does exactly that. It's, however, too time-consuming to install and too expensive to install everywhere instantly and quickly. And that means that there are lots of issues in terms of gathering specific data for, uh, you know, when the cleaners went into the house versus when they left could be two pounds worth of electricity right now because they're using all of the tools, Mm. including possibly the washing machines. So it could be a fiver. Well, you can't charge your guests for that. Mm. The rental accommodation fee, the electricity fee is a different thing, the actual usage fee. So that transparency of information around the check-in time, the energy cost and the check-out time is something that needs to be very much worked on. There, I wish someone would phone me up. I've got an, I've got an idea for an app. We've <laughs> actually done some work on it with Southampton University, but they want 30, it's going to cost about 30 grand to build it. Uh-huh. And, and but, but it actually would transform the industry. It'd be really amazing. Please, everybody phone me. I'm very happy to uh, work in collaboration. Uh-huh. I can already I can already feel the pushback about charging guests for their yeah. electricity. Everyone's yeah. really freaking out, I'm sure, listening to this. But, oh, yeah, you know, of course they are. but I do recall, okay, I'm maybe showing my age, but maybe, you know, like 15, 20 years ago, no, I'm not showing my age. Yet. Um, in Italy, I do remember, I think the, the, the owner would take a meter reading and you'd have to pay for your electricity. I'm sure that that's, that's what it used to be like. Obviously, maybe not anymore, but... Once upon a time, I, I just don't think that this at this stage that managers are going to think about doing that. Um, wicked problem, right? So a wicked yeah. problem is one that works for enough people that they don't want to change it. So mm-hmm. right now, this problem is working for um, 
uh, the commissioning rent, the commissioning sales agents for the house because they take a commission that includes the cost of the electricity. Mm-hmm. Right, so they're actually making money on the fact that the owner is not it, it is losing money, which is morally not particularly ideal. And then you've got the guests who check in and they like, well, I don't care, I'll do whatever I like, and I've already paid for this. Fantastic, mm. yeah. Mm. And that's an assumed delivery. So those are the two areas that it absolutely works. Yeah, it doesn't work for the environment, and it doesn't work for the owner. So they're equal, bar- they're equal forces of energy, which is why we're getting no change. Mm. Interesting is that you have people like. And I'm going to say Alistair Handyside from PASC, who is really pretty hot on his sustainability on his property in Devon. I think it's him. And if it's not, Alistair, you should. Um, I think they charge for electricity there mm-hmm. um, when people check in. And they have a buffer charge. Um, and I'm now regretting saying it was Alistair. Um Anyway, anyway, if it's not Alistair, it, I've seen other places do this. And having a buffer charge would help because then it would still assume some energy is paid by the owner and then some is paid by the guest. And that would significantly help. So it gives people uh, motivation, but it also gives them the sense of goodwill that yeah. there is there is an understanding. Yeah. And I can't see that as a reason for the OTAs and the commissioning bodies who are selling houses to really think, okay, we're gonna we're gonna lose commission on five pounds per stay across all of our properties. Is it really enough? Is it really enough of a reason to not do it? I don't think mm. it is. And I don't mm. think it's really enough of a reason for the guests to not book if if enough people change over it to a short period of time. Yeah. And I think the, the main pushing factor is the owners are gonna go, well, do you know what? To be honest, we can't be asked with this anymore. The fire regs are so hard, the electricity is so damn high. We're going to stop renting unless this changes. So the market will dictate the change, but mm. it is unfortunately slow and frustrating. But anyway, that was a long rabbit hole. <laughs> you know, with the booking.com uh, survey and the fact that there is, what, what, 82, 89% of guests that are looking to stay in sustainable properties, the fact that you actually point out, uh, you know, you pay for the electricity. So if they want to be good, then they don't have to pay very much, you know. You're like the, the rate might be a bit discounted, but you know you're going to pay the electricity, and it uh, it might appeal to those guests that are looking to stay at that sustainable property. They know they're contributing, and they're just paying for what they use, as opposed to you know you're factoring in the electricity of everyone for that, for that poor owner. I think that's a fair thing to say. I think the ethical traveler market is pretty small, and I've done a lot of study. Um, you know, I, I'm also a trained um, life coach and I'm a trained climate coach. So I talk to people with eco-anxiety and I talk to a lot of business leaders with, and, and help them through these leadership um, paradoxes that they have where they are, you know, I want to do this, but I want to do this. Is it cake or is it lentils? How do we make this healthy cake movement towards sustainability normalized and joyful in tourism? And it's very difficult in tourism because we are traditionally selling the cake all the time, hedonism. And actually lentils is traditionally seen as sustainability. You know, don't do this, don't do that. You've got to wear a hair shirt and don't even think you're having a nice steak for supper because actually you need to eat, you know, you know, dried grass. Lovely. <laughs> That's going to sell well, isn't it? Um, and so we're really caught in this trap. What we need to do is we all need to be the Nigella Lawson of sustainability and we need to be make sustainability normal, 
sexy. Actually, Nigella's probably not a very good example because she's too she cooks with too much butter. She's too cake. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, we're talking about joy. <laughs> exactly. But this is the point, right? Hedonism is joyful, and you and the trick is to re-normalize joy but make it and, and absolutely sell the joy but sell it in such a way that it is already designed to be good so here's the look i'm in the cafe because my office is busy i've got this lovely beautiful cup it's not focusing um and in it is an oat milk latte it's not something that i would normally order it's absolutely delicious that's the only option on the menu oat milk it's completely glorious and that's what i'm having and is it adding to my experience 100% yes yeah so the healthy cake option is is absolutely got to be the only one that's on the on the cards there's a brilliant behavior economist that i um came across through the travel by b corp group it's a collective of b corps and travel surprisingly with the name and it includes intrepid and um exodus and who else have we got in there? Joro and um, um, Byway, the guys who do a lot of train holidays. Amazing companies, brilliant leaders. Saw days are another one. And um, all of these, we, we the, the group got a, a lady called Dr. Millennium Niklova. I think she comes from Budapest. She's really whip smart lady. And she talks about behavior economics. And she used the example of the car industry to discuss and show us how we can normalize um, sustainability and travel without making a fuss about it, right? Mm -hmm. So do you remember when you last bought a car, if they asked you if you wanted ABS braking? No, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody did you, uh, Deborah, would you like um, electric windows or would you like old style windows that you have to wind down? Yeah, of course. Oh, I like it. Yeah, right. Yeah, Deborah, you, this this car it comes with four types of sunroof. Which one would you like? No, it doesn't really do that. They're just like this is the sunroof and this is the glass that you're having in it because it's the safe stuff and that's just the way it's going to be. And the ABS braking is the best braking that you can have because it's the most actually sustainable properly because humans make mistakes, but these brakes don't. Right, so it's just designed in as standard. There's mm -hmm. no option, and so therefore you go away with a car and you're like, God, this car is like great because it's going to sustain my life literally and i didn't have to think about any of the science or the tech behind it because they just did it for me that's mm. what i'm for. when we are guests and we have that experience with a place that we're staying at we are receiving someone's design thinking we are on the receiving end of that design thinking and currently the design thinking that we receive is from the 80s where nobody thought about the environment everybody thought corporate was better and actually it's god awful most of the time and it's impersonal and you know impersonal and, and impersonal and that as a as a short-term rental sector is not where we want to be and even in a hotel sector that's not where we want to be either hotels hotels are absolutely leaning into the personalized personalized experiences all the time now and it's just so much nicer personalized rooms different rooms that never used to happen um so this idea of designing in what's good and designing out what's bad is the most powerful way of delivering sustainability for your guest. So they can only make good choices. Mm. I said earlier that I, I have um, done, I do a lot of um, climate change coaching. So 75% of the UK population in November 22 census, this is the whole UK, you've got to answer this lovely questionnaire that comes through or you get fined. And 85% of young people 83% of young people have some form of 
significant to very significant climate anxiety. That is three quarters of our population. So why, what was that statistic you gave me from booking.com? Can't remember the statistic. 82, 89%. Right, major correlation, huge correlation. What we also know though, is that people are very concerned about greenwash. They are struggling to find what they want in terms of tourism. And they also behave in a hedonistic way when they go away, because guess what? I've been really good for 51 weeks of the year and God damn it. Now I'm going to have that extra glass of wine, that chocolate mm. and mm. that deep bath. Right. Mm. Mm. That's fair enough. We're in that industry. Yeah. So it is our responsibility to redesign our businesses so that people can do some of those things, not necessarily all of them, not necessarily steal the energy from your um, electricity tariff and trickle charge their car. Mm. Right. That's mm. not okay. There are boundaries, but there are options that we have to design it in so that they can do it. And I think you had, and I asked you this a couple of weeks ago, that brilliant guy from the States whose business is not here yet. God damn it. Um, okay to charge. Correct. Yep. Mr. Okay to charge. Yeah. That's kind of, that's the innovative thinking that we need here as standard in the UK. Yeah. So that as an agency, I've got my agency hat on now, not my guest or my owner hat on. Yeah. As an agency, we can say, you're bringing an electric car, amazing. Do you want to preload your credit card so that you've got four charges set up? It's going to be an extra 100 quid. That's fine. We'll do it for you now. So when you arrive, you can just get it all sorted. There we go. No problem. Beautiful. Everybody's happy in that situation. Nice. That's nice. where that individual thinking Yeah. Helps. That that's one thing. Sorry, but that's one option. But let's go back to the electric windows and the ABS brakes. What are what are those equivalents that property managers can do to their properties or for okay. the guest stay? Yeah, amazing question. All right. So the way I approach this, um, actually through the B Corp certification um training that I do for people is when they come to me and they go, we want to do B Corp, but we don't know what to do. And it seems like a good idea. And oh God, how do we break up sustainability? This is a nightmare. I don't know what to do. Okay. So you literally break up sustainability into the component parts of, of the concept. So it's electricity, it's water, it's waste, it's, you know, cleaning products, it's plastics, it's biodiversity. Okay. And then you take action on each one of those. So, for example, you don't sell, um, you don't sell sustainability as a front end value to sell, which is what I didn't do at my holiday cottage when I first set up. Mm. I sold joy first. I sold the quality of experience first, and a quality of look and feel, and a quality of convenience. Right. Your core product has to be good. If it's not, you are just don't even bother with sustainability because it's not going to work. People will not buy sustainability first. They will buy it second as a value. Xavier Font, uh, I'm going to go just go a little tangent here. Xavier Font at Surrey University said to me, um, don't ask people to marry you on the first date. <laughs> They'll take a risk on a three pounds latte. There, there it is but they will not take a risk on a £2,000 holiday, which is possibly going to ruin their marriage, right? So do not sell sustainability up front. In terms of the design piece, values align around what is important to people. So, and unfortunately, carbon is not really on that list because it's not a very personal thing, but, but it needs to be done. And that's we'll, we'll address that second. So values align on conservation of nature, pristine environments, pristine air, 
pristine places, pristine waterways. That means no plastics. Get rid of plastics in your place. It's not going to make a lot of difference to climate change, but it is going to make a difference in terms of values aligning for the guest. You're going to hook them in. It's the same with um, it's the same with biodiversity. Have decent gardens that are properly cared for. And I don't mean it needs to look like a 1950s perfect lawn. I mean, actually, that it needs to be the opposite. It needs to be a place where there is rewilding, where there is clear and obvious care for species and involve that in your marketing and your storytelling all the way through. Make sure that you've got a decent charity partnership and that that is actually being lived through the experience. Get do talks in your garden, set your garden up properly and get the, um, you know, the people with the echo locators and the bat um, radars. They really exist, a bat radar. So come round. You know, if you're in um, another country uh, where you've got some glorious um, forest or something nearby, partner with an organization where you're actually making that real into your property. Um, even cities can really do this. And you see this in Singapore where they have a 10% rule for um, uh, green spaces within a new building. Mm -hmm. I've been there recently. It's absolutely amazing place to go. So, so split the value of sustainability down into its component parts and really deliver on that. Get curious, use your creativity and really lean into that. Yeah. Mm. Chemicals, chemical dechemicaling whatever that word is, detoxifying your property is a really good start. And so um, one of the things we did at New Forest Escapes was, uh, and, and, I, and it, was, it was a very simple catalyst, the lovely um, cleaning team I have, um, I was there cleaning with them one day and this girl was like, ah, my hands are really hurting. And she was like, <coughs> she was in the shower, cleaning the shower. I was like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And she said, oh, God, it's this bloody cleaning materials. They really making me cough. And I said, well, that's not very good. What do you like at the end of the day? She said, oh, every day I have a splitting headache. It's unbearable. Oh. I nearly can't even do this job anymore. And I was like, oh, my God, we are enabling that to happen. This is not OK. Nothing about this is OK. Mm. So I was like, right, we've got to change this. This is not OK. Come on, girls, what are we going to do? And so we got all of our cleaners together, had a lot of discussions, had a lot of talks with a lot of the girls who are working for me found out some of the worst products. And I was like, right, I'm going to commit a week of my time. We're going to sort this out. Actually, in hindsight, now it would take out two years later, probably take, well, now I would just go to my own website, tell people to read that because I did all the work for you. It's all there. Mm. And I'm sure Deborah will share the links to them later. But we have yes. a cleaning program now where we profiled all of the best cleaning products. We also tried them. Um, we got a load of, we got some discounts from brilliant um what companies that are producing green, green, clean materials. Some of them are B Corps. Um, and we really promoted it to our owners. We're like, mm. use this. We can market this for you with my agency hat on. We can market this for you as a point of uh, a USP, as a delivery point of difference. And, and, your, and your guests will experience it when they've got their hand washes and their whatever. Um, there are lots of simple ways like that that you can design in as we said before, this example of the, the ABS braking and, and the electric windows. Mm. So really deliver on these items. Um, don't just think about it and go, or oh, maybe, oh, I'm going to change one or two things. If you're a guest and you're going to a house and you want, and it's been sold to you as a sustainable stay, or even if it hasn't, 
and you're then asked to review it and, and everyone is asked to review a property think of that um think of that eco-anxiety driver that people have because it is a motivational driver that's how we need to think about it and that will unleash some of the innovation i hope for people in that they need to literally think i feel guilty about my stay i know i'm going to feel guilty about my stay because i'm going to change my behavior when i'm on holiday how can i reduce as much of that as possible by booking a place which looks like it's going to do the right thing what mm. are the proof points that i'm seeing when i'm looking at that website and going oh, actually these guys have paid attention to this mm. i'm going to feel less guilty there than anywhere else mm. so in in the marketing side of things i try and suggest to brands that they have two extra brand values i will actually only one but they're linked one is delight always make sure you have delight as a brand value and then add next to it de guilt yeah so you're trying to set your property up in a way that you feel less guilt mm. for the person who's staying there right mm. Mm. and even if they're a climate denier doesn't matter that experience will just be better for them because everything that they touch and that they handle and they do the eco firelighters the eco bog roll that is got a funny message on it if you use who gives a crap it's got mm. really funny messages on it it's lovely mm. Um, the fun signage that you might have around the house, the fact that they don't have to go out for X, Y, and Z, they can hire, they can use bicycles on site. There are loads of walks profiled for them. There are loads of toys there for the kids already because someone's thought about it so they don't have to go and pay loads of money to take them out to activities and whatever every day. Really pay attention to those things. Xavier Font at um, Surrey University gave me a lovely example when we did our training, which I think you were on in February of this year, which was hang a bird feeder right outside the kitchen window or the place where they uh, are boiling a kettle all the time. And then people can have their cup of tea and actually interact with the birds who will soon switch off and they'll get desensitized to the people in the house. So they can actually see the birds there all the time. Every time they boil the kettle, they can go, wow, look at those birds. Have a little bird chart next door. Oh, what a lovely idea. And tick off the birds on this little bird chart as they're, as they're there you know, laminate it so you can use it again and again. And as the people, you know, when the people leave, they're going to know a hell of a lot more about the birds and they're going to have had, even by not leaving the house, a really profound experience with nature. Because when you're up close and personal with birds, let's say three feet away, mm. oh my God, their feet are tiny. Have you seen how long their claws are? Did you know birds had claws? I'm 65 and I didn't know birds had claws. Uh. You know, I've heard people say this stuff. It's, it's a it's a different way of thinking about it. it costs nothing yeah I, I love the fact that you've got these niches of the, the delight the de guilt you know they're above the sustainability aspect and the thing about a sustainable property is that it doesn't look any different to a regular property this is not like a bathroom and a disabled bathroom you can spot the difference a sustainable property looks exactly the same. It's got the same creature comforts. And if anything, like you said, there's some friendlier messaging. There's some friendly signs. And the thing about having a sustainable property is those guests, especially when they read it, if they're not familiar with sustainability, but they read what you've done, they've read, they've read why you've done it or they can appreciate why you've done it, that shows to the guests that you care. That is a beautiful thing for a guest to feel 
from their about their host, manager, owner, whatever, whoever's rented the property to them. Wow, they actually care. They care about me and they care about the environment. Beautiful. Nice review coming up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely nice review coming up. Yeah, and it was really interesting. Um, at the last, um, at the scale rental conference in uh, London very recently, there was a question asked on the panel that I was speaking on, which was, do you see an uplift in bookings from selling sustainability? And uh, the answer is probably not in my agency because we haven't uh, we haven't got ourselves organized enough yet to be really integral across an eco collection. We've, we've done it behind the scenes, but we still haven't quite got there in terms of marketing it. Um, what was very interesting is having talked to the Travel by B Corp group is that Zena Benchik from Intrepid is an amazing woman. She is so, so on this and they are a really leading company. If you want to know what you know, good sustainability is, in a very difficult situation given that they are they they are assuming people are taking flights uh she had a very good answer she said we've been looking at this for a couple of years and what we found was is that we don't sell it the first time round but we deliver it inherently within our business and when we ask people what their um uh what their feelings are about us as a company once they have been with us once it's 99% positive that they will come back again. And that's where the sustainability values come forwards. So as a, a, a sales tool to create return guests, it's extremely successful if it's done integrally and well and with care. Okay, so wait, well, are, you, are you saying that you make your property sustainable, you don't necessarily advertise the fact, but you tell the guest after that you've just stayed no, and no, contributed? No, okay. no, 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 I don't mean that. I mean... Create it in as, as sustainably as you possibly can across those touch points, you know, pristine air, mm. sort your carbon out, be transparent with your carbon action plans and, and those things. And I'm not going to go into that because there's plenty of places that you can get that information now. That's mm. that, you know, Bob Garner's wonderful environmental. There's a gazillion places that you can get that information now. You'll be in, uh, living in a emu land with your head under the ground to not to not really be engaging with that. It's break it down into sustainable parts, sell those component parts secondarily to the fact that your place is already really, really good because there are not enough ethical travelers to generate a functional business yet um, to make the profits that you need to make to run it as a, as, as a functional business. Mm. So sell it in, integral, but don't sell it up front. Unless, of course, you're running, you know, the Eco Mirror Hotel in Sweden where people are, you really are targeting that ethical traveller and you really can physically demonstrate in a very visual way that it is totally different. People will pay like they will early, early adopters are about 20% of the market, uh, give or take. And so if you can really lean into that niche, yes, you can sell to them. Absolutely. But if you're Joe Blogs average, like most of us have houses, you can't do that. So you need to sell it on equality and all of the experiences of quality first and then secondarily your sustainability underpins all of those joy points all of those delight and de-guilt mm. what i think we can do in terms of sustainability is we absolutely and this is somewhere which i i really love climate culture change right how do we change the the conversations around culture change within this eco-anxiety place for people if we do not sell tourism as fun 
we are not going to sell tourism, right? And so that linear scale of don't do, don't do to this is going to be completely glorious is really important for tourism businesses to understand. And the behavior economics part of it, I design it in for them so they haven't got a choice, is, is very, very important. It's probably number one. The second one is sell with humor and love. Yeah. And that's where you get this delight and de-guilt part. It's the same scale. Mm. And signage, illustration, signage in the house itself, illustration in terms of your marketing, art in terms of your marketing, anything that's going to show values alignment. If you look at our new Forest Escapes website, you will notice really quirky illustrations. You will notice the odd bit of hand drawing. I wish there was more, actually. When I first started it, it was much, much more than it is now. The brand is, is more generic now than it was. And I think probably in the early days, one of the reasons that was so successful for us is because it was so overtly fun and so overtly for good. Mm -hmm. yeah? mm -hmm. But it was fun first. Fun and beautiful and interesting first. And then it was the, the for good part second. So those elements of doing the right thing business for good have to be combined in tourism with positive messaging mm -hmm. and when you're look, looking at responsible tourism conscious tourism sustainable tourism like i really don't say those things to your guests you've got to do that behind the scenes that's your mm -hmm. strategy but that's not your delivery point yeah yeah just you know there would be some property managers listening right, right now and go oh look this is all well and good all well and good but how do I convince an owner that they have to do all these things to their properties? How have you managed to convince owners to, to make you make their property more sustainable? Um, some haven't. We, a lot of our owners haven't. They're not on that journey yet. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them come to it because they want to save costs. They're aware mm -hmm. that it's, yeah, cost savings is a big deal. Um, it's a USP for a lot of them. Like, you know, we want to get on the eco collection. We know it's a good thing um uh, a lot of them have a personal story they want to be able to say something to, they want to say to their kids i tried mm. in fact i think some of our in, most interesting um owners actually let their kids get really involved in this stuff even oh, if nice. yeah they say right you've learned this at school what are we going to do in the house now well let's let's actually look at the cost and they empower their children and make it a little family project that's quite cool um a lot of them are really motivated by the guests behaving badly um and leaving the lights on etc cetera, etc cetera. partly because it's cost but partly because it's such a flagrant waste of resources and mm. that really irritates them um as as it would irritate me massively um and that is all of it doesn't matter what your story is it doesn't matter um there are other external forces that we won't be able to choose and i would think you asked me about the future i would think in about five years time you will be fined if you're not doing the right thing or the electricity price will have gone up so much you won't be able to afford to waste it. Yeah. Um, I did see you in a very short interview recently and you were talking about insurance. You won't be able to insure your property. Yeah, you... yeah, yeah. yeah, that's so true. In fact, Christopher Warren, the reason that he wrote his book um, was that his neighbor's house burned down and they were, you know, they, they had to rebuild from scratch. Um, and they're in a bushfire area in Australia and the likelihood is of them not being, they will not be offered insurance. And if you're an insurance company, right, it's really, really obvious. If you're an insurance company, why would you insure a high risk property where guests are going to be staying there? And the public liability claim, if there is a disaster, is going to be the maximum payout. 
And given that the climate is so uncertain, if you are if you are got a guest house in Greece next to a pine forest, Oof. and there's not a good water source, okay, why would you? Why would they get insurance? At the moment, the insurance industry is not having enough claims because our climate isn't quite enough to the point of actually causing that problem. But I think if I, I would love to hear from an insurance perspective of someone on this podcast. Mm. really love that because i suspect my knowledge is out of date and i'm actually it's probably a lot worse than we think mm. I'll have to investigate that. yeah yeah flooding in the uk horrific yeah Horrendous. yes well we've seen all of it happening through the northern summer it's been terrible all over the place but um just um this this podcast episode could go on for forever but uh, i i want to just touch on one last subject and we can always have another episode to continue the conversation but one thing I want to talk to you, I want to ask you about is eco-anxiety. What exactly is that? And is there anything that we can do besides, you know, the sustainable, uh, making our properties more sustainable? What exactly is eco-anxiety? It's really interesting. The American, I can't remember exactly who they are, but the American Health Foundation, something like that, uh, define it as a disease. So in America, eco-anxiety is actually a disease. In the UK, I'm not sure if it's recognized as a disease. I think it's recognized as a general anxiety disorder of, of sorts. Um, either way, it's something that is very serious because you have this awareness driver, this motivation driver to filter for the negative. And so all of our media stories around climate have been doom and gloom for, frankly, years. And that has created this sense of either denial, oh, we can't change, it's too stressful, I just can't even deal with this, or anger, which is why you get the just stop oil and the um, extinction rebellion approach, or you get this um, motivation, which is um, I'm going to do something about it. And people who tend to get to the motivation stage have gone through this um, depression, anxiety, overwhelm, grief, anger five and they might go through all of those on one day and mm -hmm. then they have this version of active hope so they've they've been able to reframe their frustration of those five elements into this active hope which is this more purposeful connection with what they want so this the sense of purpose is really important to build if you are suffering from eco-anxiety you need to a allow yourself to feel those feelings because we all do at times and then you need to really try and reframe your your frustration into a laser point of what can I do about this? What is my personal sphere of influence, which is why I can buy a different holiday than that A B, I buy B. Or I um or my or my sphere of uh, of influence in terms of community and business. And that's where we as business leaders and um community uh people can can really do, make a difference it's absolutely mm. critical and mm. i see this what one thing i did want to talk about very briefly is this b corp mm. i i said so i help i help companies having done it myself and done everything wrong and taken so much time and so much energy and done made every mistake in the book we we, we certified that was not a problem it just took way too long i should have asked for more help didn't um and having done it wrong i then did some fantastic training quite a lot of training um, and I'm, I, you know, I still, still learning all the time. It's not something that's very easy. There's like 207 questions or something like that. Some of them are quite chewy. And 
one of the things that I have noticed as I'm doing this is the eco-anxiety of teams. Once they start at, uh, focusing on a purpose and they know what their purpose is, the change in the business is profound and powerful. And suddenly, even if they're on the journey to certifying, the whole team start pulling together in a different way. And I'm consulting to companies. One company's got 180 staff over three countries. One company's got 20 staff and they're all in the UK. But they are starting to go in this direction of purpose. And everyone is then contributing. And it's really interesting as a USP. You have owners who are actually phoning up the company, um, supporting and giving ideas and saying, can we test this in my house, et cetera, et cetera. You have organizations like Travel by B Corp, where suddenly you have this trusted set of almost advisors because you all share the same purpose. You can then say, right, my business is struggling with this. I've got 20 people I can phone up and ask. And even if they're a direct competitor, they are pretty sure they're going to absolutely help me. And I've seen this numerous times. It's a very, very powerful leadership position to align yourself with a global benchmark of being best for the world and best in the world. Mm. That's essentially what Corp is. Yeah, mm. it's absolutely, it changed my career completely, but it also helped me with my eco-anxiety because I really truly feel like I am delivering my purpose. Mm. Mm. And that is, even on a crap day, makes me still feel like it's, I'm absolutely, you know, making a difference. Mm. That's a, a fantastic way to wind up the episode, actually. You're making uh, a difference. Yeah, and if anyone has any questions for Rachel, please do pop them in the comments below. I'm sure we will be doing another episode to continue this conversation because I think there's a lot more we can be talking about. But uh, uh, I'd be really, I just want to say I'd be really, really happy if anyone listening to this wants half an hour of my time to uh, you know, ask some questions and get some help. We've got a load of resources on our New Forest Escapes website. So newforestescapes.com forward slash sustainability. And the consulting company that I have, which is still we're putting together a website now, is called the What If Department. So it's about make, making the changes for the future. Mm-hmm. Tourism. Yeah, yeah. Pretty Fantastic. Well, we'll we'll continue this conversation soon. Thank you very, very much, Rachel. I'll be putting all the links in the description below. And, uh, yes, again, if you have any questions, pop them down. Or I'll also leave Rachel's email address if you want to book in some time with her to have a chat. Thank you so much for your time, Rachel. I know you're busy. I've really appreciated and enjoyed this conversation. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.